So the Magi, or the wise men, um, or the three kings, uh, have fascinated people for centuries. Uh, we have songs about them, right? We have stories about them. There's, uh, I think our kids watched a movie that was uh, about their journey today uh, in, in Sunday school. And uh, there's been plenty of others uh, that have come along uh, because these characters are quite fascinating. I think um, they're not only fascinating because of the strange gifts that they brought. Um, if any of you got some strange gifts for Christmas, know that that comes with a very long tradition, right? When was the last time you brought uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh to a baby shower? I hope never. <laughs> but they did, um, and so that's good. Um, we've got uh, these characters that are part of the story, of part of our Christmas story. Uh, actually happens just after the birth, right? It's a, that's, that's the way this uh, passage begins. After Jesus had been born in Bethlehem, wise men came. Um, and, and so it's, it's after, it's not right at the birth, but they come. They come to see this child that has been born king of the Jews. Um, that's really about all that we know from this story about them. That they brought gifts, that they came to worship the new child that was born king of the Jews, and that they came a long way. Does it tell us where they came from? No. The east, <laughs> sort of. They saw his star at its rising. Um, does it tell us how they got there? No. Of course, we all know they rode camels, um, uh, but uh, it doesn't really say that in the story. Does it tell us what their names are? No. Does it tell us how many there are? No, of course, we know their names are Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, and there were only three of them. Uh, how do we get three? Three gifts. Obviously, everybody brings a gift, right? <laughs> so so uh, what's so fascinating about these guys is that, that they are part of the story. They're so much a part of the story, and they are fascinating to us, and we've created all kinds of things and, and, and filled out all of the details about them, but really we know very, very little about them. Um, I can, I, and that leads us to, to do something that's kind of interesting because they are wise men, as I was talking about. The, the word that, Ma that Matthew uses is actually magi, and it, it usually gets translated wise men because uh, in some s sort of weird way, um, the church has never really been crazy about having magicians be part of our worship of the king. Uh, and so uh, they aren't magicians, but that is the word that comes from that. And so we get a little nervous about that. And often we call them something other than magi, wise men or kings. They almost certainly weren't kings. Uh, there's nothing in this that, that would lead us to believe that they're kings. And magi, the word that is used, is not a word for kings. Magi do show up one other place in the Bible. Um, it, they show up in the book of Daniel, where, where Daniel, as he, as he was with his people exiled to Babylon, uh, and was, became known as an interpreter of dreams, a, 
uh, a wise and uh, a capable leader. He was after the, the faithful interpretation of the king's dream. Daniel was appointed the captain or the leader of an order of magi. Wise ones, advisors to the king. Well, the, the Magi in Babylon were known for um, being advisors to the king, and the way that they would do that was by uh, observing, watching, learning, looking at the world, as, and especially the stars. They would pay attention to what was going on. They were, they were in many ways, scientists. Exploring nature, the skies, medicine, and making advisements to those who could carry them out. Well, I happen to think that while we can't point to where these magi came from, uh, I'll give you my theory, and you can take it as that. Um, I think Matthew is quite aware of the connection of the Magi to Daniel's story and the connection to Babylon. And I think that if he uses the word Magi, there's good reason to think that that's where he thinks these guys are coming from. So if they came from Babylon, anyone know how far it is from Babylon to Bethlehem? Huh? About, eight, about 800 miles from Babylon to, to Bethlehem. Yeah. You got it? Good job. Good job. About 800 miles from Babylon to Bethlehem. So if they came from Babylon, this is indeed a long journey. And a lot of that terrain is filled with a lot of desert uh, climate. So uh, it's probably not unreasonable to think that they had some camels with them, although we don't know for sure. I like the camels, so I'm going to keep them as part of your story. You can, you can thank me for that later. But uh, these magi, if they came from Babylon, observing the stars, if they had a connection to Daniel who had told them the promise of a Messiah, for it's Daniel that begins that process of pointing to a Messiah in in fact, Daniel is the other place where we encounter the term that Jesus uses for himself most frequently, son of man. One who God has made one of us. If they knew this story, what might they have seen? How many of you have been to the planetarium show about the wise men? Yeah, a few hands. All right. So the planetarium show tells you that the star that they likely saw in the sky around this time uh, was not really a star. <laughs> it was planets. Um, the theory is that around the year 7 BC is one of the years that uh, the planet Saturn and Jupiter would have aligned in the sky. And when they do that, they become much brighter because their light comes and works together. So that happened around 7 BC. And, uh, if that, and at that time, it happened in the constellation, which they were paying attention to, right? 
um, of Pisces. Well, Pisces, the fish, is often associated with the Hebrew people. And so the theory is that that's probably what they saw. They see a bright star burning in the constellation of Pisces, the fish, and they are reminded of a promise from Daniel from years and years and years ago that one day there will be a new king, a son of man born to the Hebrew people, and he will be the one who will shepherd his people. If they see this, What's so astonishing to me is that these scientists, astrologers, uh, whatever they are, don't just take that knowledge and say, oh, what more can we learn about it? They take that knowledge and they apply it. They say, knowing this, we must go. We have to go. We have to move. We have to work. And knowing this, we have to go so that we can do something. Did you notice what the, the word that's used the most frequently throughout this whole passage is, is a word that doesn't really show up a whole lot in the rest of the Bible. Um, it's the word homage. Three times in this short passage, we're told we have seen his star and we came to pay him homage. Well, to pay him homage, the word is actually used all over the scriptures. It's proskenese, which is to bow down, right? Um, but most of the places in the Bible where that word is, because it's in there a lot, we don't translate it homage. We translate it something else. Anyone have any ideas? Hmm? Praise? Yeah, you're on the right track. Worship. Worship. Most of the time when you come across the, the word proskenese, it's to worship. That's what the wise men came to do, to worship the one, to pay him homage, to bow down before him. What's so interesting is that they come before a king, right? The first thing they do is they come before King Herod in Jerusalem, because they're going in search of the king. So where do they go? They go to Jerusalem, to the palace. If you want to find a king, you should go to a palace, right? So they go to the palace, and they say, we're here. Before Herod, they say, we're here to pay homage to the newborn king. Interestingly enough, it doesn't say that they paid homage to Herod, the king, right? You can imagine that would have put Herod a little out. <laughs> Which if you know what comes after this story, you can see just how far out it put Herod. They come before this king, and they do not pay him homage. They say, we are here for another. We're here for the new king, the one that God has brought. To be, to be the king of kings. We've come to pay him homage. Well, Herod assembles all of, the, all of his advisors, right? The chief priests, the scribes. He gets all the people together. Where is this supposed to happen? Where is this king supposed to be born? Bethlehem, they say. Okay. Then he does something else. It says that he found out the exact time. The word time is nowhere in there. <laughs> in, in, the, in the Greek. 
What it says is he investigated thoroughly to find out the details specifically. He found the time. He wants to know all that he can from these wise ones from the East. Why? So that he can carry out his own plan. That's why, that's the difference between the wise men and King Herod. The wise men learn what they learn so that they can act on it appropriately. Herod learns all the things that the wise men learned. Why? So he can, he can make it work for him. Yeah. That's, that's the opposite of wisdom. And yet it's often what we do. It's not wise for us to make all that we know be about us. Instead, all that we know is directed towards the worship of the one that God has made. These wise men, they follow this simple pattern of looking, of learning, of listening, and acting. All in the direction of the one whom they come to worship. Dear friends in Christ, may we learn from their example today how to be wise. To learn all that we can. To pay attention to what God is doing. To pay attention to all the new things that are happening around us. It's not that we cut ourselves off from the world. No, we look into everything that is going on. But we don't do that with an eye to how to use it for us, but how to understand that God is active and to know where God is calling us to go, to follow, and to worship. You have come here this morning because God has spoken into your heart. That the one who was born in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago is the one who is worthy of your worship. The wise men made maybe an 800-mile journey to worship him. I bet your journey is much longer. Our journey takes us past so many things that call for our worship and our attention. May we follow the example of the wise men to know that as we go, we look, we learn, and we listen, but we worship only one. A child in a manger the Savior on the cross, the God who lives for you and for me, who gives himself to you today, and who calls you to worship, to worship him alone. To God be the glory, and may we also be wise. Amen.
It's not really epiphany if we don't sing about the three kings. So let's